Okay, so if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Revelation uh, 3, 1 to 6. So this morning, uh, we've come to the end of our series on Revelation. Has anyone enjoyed it? Yes, yes we loved it. Yes, I've loved this, uh, this series on Revelation. And we're on the last talk of it today. Okay. And what I've loved about this series is uh, that it shows us how much that Jesus loves his church, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've learned that Jesus wants his church to flourish. Jesus is building his church, and Jesus even has angels watching over his church. We've learned all of that, haven't we? And uh, I want to kick off with a question this morning. Do we, Jubilee, love the church like Jesus does? Do we, Jubilee, love the church like Jesus does? I'll leave that with you there. So today's church, the last one in the series, is the church in Sardis. And before we get into the actual letter, I want to give you a bit of background about this city and about this church. Because uh, to me, this looks like a nice place to visit. Honestly, it looks great. So it's uh, located in modern-day Turkey. Anyone been to Turkey? Yeah, a few of us, okay. Um, and this, uh, this city is actually uh, located on top of a hill, on top of a mountain. All right. And it's got great views of the sea. All right. It's got great views of the sea. And it's got great views of the surrounding area. All right. This looks like a really, really good holiday destination. It's got great weather as well. All right. And uh, as Gordon Fee, who's a Bible commentator, puts it, on paper, this church and this city had everything. Choice location, climate, economy, wealth, and culture. All right. So the one thing to know about Sardis is it was a really uh, rich and wealthy church. Okay. A really uh, rich and wealthy church. From the outside, this church looked amazing. Almost like one of them churches you see today in the big cities. Do you know the ones where everyone seems really cool who goes into them? They've all got a great sense of fashion and they've all got perfect beards. Do you know those churches? Is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> so Sardis was like one of those churches. From the outside, it looked like it had everything going on. On the face of it, this church looked great. But uh, Jesus says otherwise. All right. And I'm going to invite my friend Yoel up, who's going to read for us. So why don't you uh, welcome him? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I need a microphone, yeah. So reading from Revelation 3, 1 to 6. Yeah. To the church in Sardis, to the angels of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of his who hold the seven spirit of, of God and the seven stars. I know you did, you have repetition of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remi- remains and is about to die, for I have found the deeds unfinished in the sight of my Lord. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and spent. But if you, don't, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will, wake, they will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who, who is victorious will like them, but be, no, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of, this, of, that peop, of that person for the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angel. Who, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit say to the church. Excellent. Thank you, Yoel. Give it up for Yoel. Yeah. 
So this is quite sobering stuff, isn't it? So if you didn't, under, uh, if you didn't uh, hear that there, if you didn't hear it, uh, where was your Bible to start with? Because <laughs> it didn't come up on the, on the screen there. But what Jesus was saying is, the people in this church, uh, they'd switched off a little bit. Jesus was calling this a dead church. Okay? So this is quite sobering stuff, um, because from the outside, as I've said, this church appeared to be doing really, really well. It had an excellent reputation. People looking in would have been really impressed. On the surface, it had everything going well. But in reality, Jesus called it a dead church. In name, it was alive, but in fact, it was dead. Not what the world would call a dead church, but what Jesus would call a dead church. In fact, the way this passage reads, the only thing this church had going for it was his reputation. The only thing it had going was his reputation. This is quite scary stuff, isn't it? And this passage has loads and loads we can take from it. And it's got loads and loads we can take from it for our church today, for Jubilee Church. Because actually there's some similarities between the churches, isn't there? Because Jubilee Church has always had a good reputation. So I remember when I was first, uh, first saved, I was going to a church in Darlington, to King's Church. And we used to... <laughs> and we used to, <laughs> we used to hear amazing things about Jubilee. I was always a little bit jealous of Jubilee because this church had an amazing reputation. So I remember going along to North for the first few years and seeing people from Jubilee everywhere. There was millions of you, all right? And you you were all serving. So I saw people from Jubilee doing kids' work, doing admin, doing stewarding, cooking food. I was like, what is this church and how many people are in it? In fact, the very first person I met from Jubilee Church, uh, you might not remember this, but it was Mike Besterfield, okay? And uh, he let me jump in the queue for the shower as he was cleaning it, again, serving, so that I wasn't late for my, uh, for my appointment I was doing, okay? So Mike let me jump in the queue and go in a disabled shower. So I was like, yes, I love this church. <laughs> <laughs> this church had a great reputation. And reputation isn't a bad thing, not at all. But, as this passage clearly shows, reputation is not everything. Reputation is not everything. So, how do I split these, uh, this talk up into three points today? Because really I have one big point, and my one big point is wake up. Wake up. But I can't just keep saying that over and over again, because so, uh, that will put you to sleep probably. Um, I've got three points this morning. Okay. Point one is wake up and shake it off. Wake up and shake it off. Point two is wake up and keep your foot on the gas. And point three is wake up and receive the Spirit. Wake up and receive the Spirit. So that's where we're going this morning, all right? So point one, wake up and shake it off, okay? I need to give you a little bit of uh, background for this because it sounds like a Taylor Swift song, doesn't it? Wake up and shake it off. Um, What I'm talking about here is the past, yeah? Wake up and shake off the things of the past. Now, before I go into this point, let me make one thing clear, okay? What I'm definitely not saying is forget the past, yeah? I'm definitely not saying forget the past, because actually, the past is an amazing thing for us as a church and for us as individuals, because the past has stories of God's faithfulness. It has stories of great triumph. It has examples of when God's really worked miracles in our lives and in our church. So... To use a Raj Saha special, which I believe he nicked from Jeremy, don't hear what I'm not saying this morning, yeah? Don't hear what I'm not saying. The past is not a bad thing, but 
looking at this passage, one thing that is extremely clear uh, is this church in Sardis were not aware of their spiritual state. And that's something that really got to me. Because this message was straight to the point. And it's like they didn't, it came as a shock to them. So this message is pretty much as straight to the point as it could be, but it came as a bit of a shock to the people in the church. Why was that? Because they were asleep. They were stuck in the past. They were suffering from overconfidence, possibly or probably based on the reputation that they had and the things that they did in the past. Now, if you look at verse 3, okay, they did do good things in the past. It says, go back to what you heard and believed. And the way this is originally written, the emphasis is on how they received. So God is saying that at one time, they had it right. They received the word well, and they were doing good things. So they were doing the right thing, but they seemed to be defined by those things. So they were no longer defined by Jesus, but they were defined by the things of the past. Does that sound familiar? They weren't defined by Jesus, but they were defined by the things of the past. And the scariest part of this is, I don't think that the church slipped into this mindset intentionally. I think they had the best intentions, but the problem is that they were burdened by carrying a reputation from the past. Yeah? They were defined by the things of the past. And I really feel like this is something for us as a church today. I feel like God is saying to us as a church today that we need to wake up. Yeah, we need to shake it off. We need to shake off the things of the past because they don't define you. Jesus defines you. Is that right, yeah? The past doesn't define you. Jesus defines you, both personally and as a church. You might not be a Christian this morning. Let me tell you, the past doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. Please stop comparing the future with the past. If you find yourself saying things like, Jeremy never did it this way, or Paul wouldn't have done this if he was here, or I like Jubilee as it was ten years ago, then please stop it. Or if you've come from another country or a different church, God is calling you to different things here. If you've seen the church dip in little areas, please be part of the solution, yeah? Let's not be lingering in the past because Jesus' church moves on. Change is something that God calls us to work out together as we push forward into what God has for us. That's right, isn't it? So, let me give you an illustration. All right, now... Bear with me if you're not a football fan, okay? Because not often you get to talk football during a sermon. Or at home since I got married. I can't talk football out either. <laughs> but, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a Liverpool fan, okay? I'm a big Liverpool fan. <laughs> I passionately follow Liverpool FC. And uh, this point about living in the past definitely, definitely talks about Liverpool FC. Honestly. <laughs> so for those of you of a certain age, older than me, who remember the 70s and 80s, um, you'll know that Liverpool FC used to be the biggest team in England, didn't they? They were the powerhouses. They won trophy after trophy. They destroyed every team. And the thought of playing against Liverpool FC struck fear into the opposition. Now, the last time Liverpool won the league was 1990, the year I was born. Okay, I know. So on paper, Liverpool are no longer a big football club. We never win anything anymore, okay? But the problem with Liverpool fans, including myself, is that we're stuck in the past because we still think that we're the greatest team in the world when, in fact, we're not. 
We have this opinion based not on current form, but on the things of the past. Do you see where I'm coming from here? Good. (laughs) So, the things of the past, the reputation, the success, they are good things, but they cannot define you. Wake up, because God is working in the present, isn't he? And God needs a church that is awake and ready for the things that he's doing right now. Please don't live in the glory days. The glory days were good days, but take that same passion, that same spark from the past, and bring it into today. You guys need to wake up. I need to wake up. We need to shake off the things of the past, and we need to start looking at what God is doing right now. Are we excited about that? Yeah. No, Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. He says we need to look forward to what lies ahead and press on. Yeah? Look forward to what lies ahead and press on. I think where the church in Sardis went wrong is they stopped being a church that was awake, alert, and ready for action, and they became a church that was stuck in the past. So let's remember that. Let's wake up and let's shake off the past. That's point one. So point two is uh, wake up and keep your foot on the gas, okay? Or the accelerator, since we're not in America. Keep your foot on the accelerator. Doesn't sound as good, does it? So this is another important observation I've, had, uh, I've seen from this passage and the studying I've been doing around it. Um, it seems to me that the church in Sardis were content with coasting. They got, uh, they got stuck in this attitude of coasting. Now, for those of you who don't drive, listen up, because there's a lesson here for you. And those of you that do drive, listen up, there's a lesson here for you. Okay. <laughs> I remember when I was doing my driving lessons, I used to get in trouble for a lot of things because I was a terrible driver. But... One of the main things my instructor used to say to me was, stop coasting. He used to shout at me, stop coasting. And for those of you who don't know, coasting is where you put your foot on the clutch and just let the car roll forward. Does anyone do that? All the time. So what happens is you put your foot on the clutch and you let the car roll forward. And my instructor used to say to me that when you've got your foot on the clutch and you're coasting, that you're not in full control of the car. Okay. So that when you're rolling forward, you're not in full control of the car. And I used to get in trouble for that all of the time. And I feel like the church in Sardis was spiritually coasting. They'd taken their foot off the gas. They thought everything was okay. And they just drifted on. Without actually pushing forward, they just drifted on. Without actually looking into the future. Without actually looking forwards. And you know what? There's a real warning in here for us around our own attitudes. It's so important that we keep on pushing forward, that we keep on pressing into God. Because I've always said that the best thing about being a Christian is the fact that you never stop learning from God, do you? You never stop being surprised by God, do you? And actually, you never uh, stop being reminded of God's faithfulness, do you? Yeah? That's the best thing about being a Christian. So God needs you to keep pressing into him, keep learning from him, because if not, you're missing out on so much. And it seems to me that the church in Sardis got too content with what they had and they took their foot off the gas and they stopped seeking God. And that's an easy habit, isn't it? Now, this idea of pushing forward and keeping your eyes fixed on God is something which Paul describes really helpfully uh, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12.1. He says, Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. 
Do you know what? I love this idea of life being like a race, where Jesus is the thing you're aiming for. Life's a race and Jesus is the thing you're pushing onto. You're moving forward to him. Honestly, that's so helpful for me. Um, when you take your eyes off Jesus, when you take your foot off the gas, what happens? You get overtaken. Yeah? That's what happens in a race. If you, if you stop uh, accelerating, you get overtaken. And uh, you fall behind. You end up like a church in Sardis. What I want to say to you this morning is keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep pushing in to Jesus. But what does keeping your foot on the gas look like? Well, for me, it's about pursuing Jesus. Now, this is a word which has been used a lot recently, sometimes unhelpfully, but pursuing Jesus is really just looking for him in everything. Looking to get to know him more. Looking to be more and more like Jesus. To use a Christian word, looking to be more Christ-like. And this is done in many ways, but it can be as simple as spending more time every day with Jesus. Yeah? Spending time reading your Bible. Spending time uh, in God's presence. Asking God to come and meet with you. Asking God to grow you. Asking God to allow you to step out prophetically. I want to use this as a way of, encu- as a way of encouraging us as a church to keep pressing in to the amazing things we're doing. Yeah? I don't need to stand here and go through a list of what we're doing as a church, but we are doing amazing things. And I want to say well done. That came across this morning uh, when Mavash brought something, you know. Well done, guys. We're doing amazing things. We're reaching out, aren't we? We're reaching out into the community, and that is an amazing thing. Keep going in those things. We're doing really well, but we need to keep on pushing on. Yeah? If we just stop at what we're doing at the minute, we're going to end up asleep like a church in Sardis. We need to take what we're doing at the minute and move forward into even bigger and better things, yeah? With God at the centre and God's the thing that we're chasing after, yeah? Keep seeking God and keep your foot firmly on the gas, yeah? So to recap, point one was wake up and shake it off. Point two was wake up and keep your foot on the gas, yeah? Accelerator. We're in England. <laughs> yeah. The final point is this, and this is probably the most important point as well. Wake up and receive the Spirit. Wake up and receive the Spirit. Do you know what? I definitely feel for the church in Sardis because from what I can see, they had excellent intentions. They really wanted to do things right. They just got a little bit lost on the way. And I think initially they had things right, they were doing the right thing, but they lost their way. And the reason they lost their way is because they stopped receiving the Spirit. They stopped regularly meeting with, uh, with Jesus. And what happens when we stop meeting with Jesus? When we stop receiving the Spirit? Our churches uh, no longer become lively, exciting, vibrant times, and they just become meetings, don't they? Without the Spirit of God, the church is just a meeting. And we see it so often in many churches today. They lose touch with the Spirit of God, they stop receiving from God, and they just become meetings. But what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us, isn't it? And that changes everything. It changes our meetings, it changes our prayer times, it changes our worship times. Uh, As Kim Walker from Jesus Culture famously said during one of their worship sessions, uh, without the presence of God, these are just words, these are just instruments, Without the presence of God, it's like we're just up here making noise. That's right, isn't it? Without the presence of God, what's the point in doing anything? 
What's the point in worshiping? It's that simple. The Holy Spirit changes churches because it changes people. Yeah? You can tweet that. Hashtag Gavin. The Holy Spirit changes churches because it changes people. The church in Sardis have lost the spiritual edge. They're asleep and this letter is telling them to wake up and receive the Spirit. In fact, I think Jesus will be saying, wake up and receive the flipping Spirit. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Okay. Now, as Christians, we have to be continually thirsty for the Holy Spirit. It isn't just a Sunday morning thing, is it? We don't just wait till a Sunday morning to receive the Spirit. Do you know what? Sometimes, as people, we treat Sunday morning church as like a battery charger. We turn up on a Sunday morning at 10.30, empty, and we wait to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Then the cycle continues each week. We come back the next week empty and wait to be filled up. And the next week we come back empty waiting to be filled up. We treat church as a phone charger. But why did it get that way? Church isn't just about Sunday mornings, is it? We know that. Church is about community. Church is about enjoying life together. Yeah? The same with the Holy Spirit. He isn't just about Sunday mornings. It's about being filled continually every day. Every time you come to any church setting, every time you pray, you need to be asking God to come and fill you up. Let me give you an example from my life, all right? Uh, For those of you who don't know, I started a new job recently, uh, about three, four weeks ago, and I let you into a secret. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Honestly, no idea. Um, But every morning, um, I wake up a little bit early, mainly because Hayley goes to work at like six o'clock in the morning or something, daft like that. But um, I wake up really early. I don't start till half nine, but I, I use that time in the morning to, to uh, study, study the Bible and spend time with God. All right. I have my breakfast cereal, I eat my banana, and then I start reading my Bible, get stuck into God's words, and spend some time praying. Okay. And every morning for the last month, I've been asking God the same thing. God, please come and fill me up and get me through today because I have no idea what I'm doing. God, please help me to muddle through today. God, come and fill me up so that I can be an example of you today in my workplace. God, come and fill me up so I don't go into this work day alone, but I go into this work day with you in me. And let me tell you something. It works every day. It works every day. Every day after that prayer time, I go to work feeling ready for action. I go to work ready to muddle on through the day and make it uh, to the end of the day. I go through through my day thriving because I've got God in me, yeah? If you're not having that regular time every day, uh, spending time with God, asking for his spirit, then please make time to do it, yeah? It doesn't have to be long, but just spend time with God every day. Ask God to come and fill you up. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit coming as a helper who will teach us everything. He says that in John 14. The Holy Spirit is God's way of being with us speaking to us and continually shaping us and helping us. And that is why we need to be continually filled, yeah? Continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church in Sardis stopped doing that. When the Holy Spirit is no longer with you, when God's no longer talking to you, you go to sleep. And that is not good, yeah? Jubilee, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you, Isaiah 61. It's one of our God-given mandates to receive Jesus in spirit and in truth. We need to be receiving the spirit. 
I'm going to end in a little minute, uh, in a minute, a little bit early, because I want to spend some time uh, in ministry this morning. Uh, I feel like it's the right thing to do, but I've got a little bit more to say first, so don't switch off. <laughs> um, a church which is alive is a church which is going to impact on communities. Yeah, a church which is awake is a church that's going to impact on communities. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really, really passionate about Teesides. I love Teesides. I love this place. I think that God's got amazing plans for Teesides. Yeah, come on. And if we're going to impact Teesside, uh, if we're going to see lives changed in Teesside, the church is going to play a big part in that, yeah? The church is going to play a massive part in that. And for us as a church to be called into all of that, to be doing all of that, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah? We need to be going out into Teesside and shaping communities, taking God with us, yeah? We need to leave every church meeting that we go to excited, passionate and on fire for God and ready to change communities, yeah? Can we get an amen? Yeah, we don't get that a lot in England, do we? Can we get an amen? <laughs> do you know what? The other thing I want to say as well is, don't think to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you have to be this amazing, mature Christian. Because you really don't, thankfully for me. You really don't. Do you know what? God doesn't put an age limit or a maturity limit on who he wants to meet with. Young people, God wants to fill you up. Slightly less young people, God wants to fill you up. Yeah? God wants to meet with us all as a church. If you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, God wants to meet with you. I'm going to ask the band to come up if you could. and I'm going to finish with a story. Okay. Uh, have we got a band? Where's Andy? disappeared. Okay, Andy will come up in a minute. Um, I'm going to end with a story, okay? And this is taken from Terry Virgo's book, A Spirit-Filled Church. If you've not read it, please read it. It's a really good book. It's quite short. Even I managed to finish it, okay? But let me just read this passage for you from this book, okay? I remember on one occasion when a young woman called Celia was converted at one of our Sunday morning meetings. At the conclusion, she asked me, is there not more than this? She sensed a vibrant presence of the Holy Spirit in the meeting and did not want to miss anything in her experience as a young Christian. I invited her to my home the following Saturday and she arrived eager to experience the Holy Spirit for herself. She brought a friend with her who'd been so impressed with the transformation in her life over the previous week that she too wanted to become a Christian. I had the joy of leading this friend to the Lord straight away. After this, Celia reminded me that she had come to learn about receiving the Holy Spirit. I took some time to open up the scriptures and explain to her the basis of her expecting to receive the Spirit. And as a young Christian, six days old in the Lord, she immediately asked if I would pray for her. Her friend, who was by now about 20 minutes old as a Christian, asked too if she could receive the Holy Spirit in the terms I explained. I replied that of course she could and had the joy of laying hands on both of them and praying for them both. Whereupon the Holy Spirit came on both of them and they began to sing in tongues to the Lord Jesus with all of their heart. One was a Christian for six days, the other was a Christian for 20 minutes. Guys, the Holy Spirit is available for all of us this morning. I want to leave plenty of time at the end this morning to receive from God, to receive the Spirit. Uh, so the band are going to play, and I want to make this as simple as I can, okay? Because for some of us, it's going to be praying in groups together and asking to receive the Spirit. But others of us are going to want some specific ministry this morning, okay? So listen carefully, all right? If uh, you feel stirred by any of the things I've said this morning about shaking off the past or about 
keeping your foot on the gas or about receiving the Spirit for the first time maybe, I want you to come to the side at the front, okay? We're going to have some ministry team guys there ready to pray for you. So that's if you want specific ministry. If you want someone to lay hands on you and pray for you specifically, I want you to come to the front. And uh, there's going to be some guys I would love to pray for you, okay? For the rest of us, I want us to leave today filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask that we can, uh, as Andy plays, get into small groups and pray. Not just your normal prayers like, God, let this guy have a good week, but powerful prayers of God, come and fill him up now. Come and meet with him now. I want us to spend some time being filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Is that all right? So let's recap. If you want some specific ministry, please come to the side at the front. Don't be shy to do that. Please come straight down. We'd love to pray for you. If not, let's get into groups and let's pray uh, for each other to be filled with the Holy Spirit.